And welcome once again to another edition of Mets at the Movies, the podcast that talks about movies from celluloid to digital and everything in between. And in the 90s, there was one television show that united your average television viewer and your super nerd fandom, and that was The X-Files. It was a massive hit, went on for nine seasons back in the 90s, two more seasons these past years, so so far 11 seasons. It won a ton of Emmys, Golden Globes. It was one of the highest-ranked shows. It was it was a phenomenon. It was a hit. It was massive. It took over the 90s. Almost when you think of the 90s, for a lot of people, 90s TV, they think The X-Files. It shot Gillian Anderson and David Duchovny into stardom. Um, they were still actors before for that. David Duchovny had a role on Twin, on Twin Peaks prior to this. But they were huge stars now. They were well-known. Everybody knew who, who they were. And it was, it was an incredible show. Again, back in the 90s. These last two seasons, not so much. And I wanted to re-watch the movie, their first one, The X-Files Fight the Future. That's what we're going to be talking about, about today. And I wanted to revisit it because after watching this last season, I had a bit of a sour taste in my mouth for the X-Files. And I thought, you know what, I want to go back to something. I want to, I want to go back to a better time of the X-Files. So I decided to go see the, I decided to watch the movie again. And this took place after season five. So it was still, it was still in, in okay times. And they produced, in my opinion, one of the best television to movie adaptations. And the way they did it, from what I can see, is they just took a two-parter episode, gave it a higher budget, and said, let's go. And it worked great. It played well with the franchise. You don't need to see the movie to understand the television show. But it helps. And you don't need to see the television show to understand the movie. And that, But it helps as well. So you can go into this film not knowing anything and just enjoying uh, a sci-fi flick, a conspiracy sci-fi movie that really delivers on the sci-fi. And that's one thing I like about this movie as well is a lot of movies dealing with, you know, conspiracies and sci-fi, they kind of pull back and, and they have too much in the shadows. So you don't really get to see and experience the excitement. And that's one of the reasons why I'm a big fan of Alex Polios' films, because he delivers on the abundance of things you want. And that's what this movie does really well, is it builds, it builds this conspiracy through, through the movie. And then as you get to specific scenes parts of the film it really ratches up and you get some incredible visuals i mean right off the bat before you see anything to do with the x-files or our main characters the first scene you see are two cavemen in thirty-five thousand bc northern texas during the ice age and what's incredible about this is because again bigger budget they're able to do these things and these cavemen end up going and they fight an alien now, again, it is in darkness, but you do get some pretty good visuals of the alien, and the alien looks really menacing. 
and you get some re- and you get a really good fight scene between cavemen and aliens and that's something you don't see too often aliens versus cave- cavemen and i think there should be more of that i think there there's there could be a good comedic sketch movie television show about aliens visiting us in 35,000 BC and seeing cave- cavemen and then coming to present day and almost feeling like well they're kind of still 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 the same obviously we've definitely grown a lot but in the eyes of this super intelligent um in super intelligent aliens we probably look like we just have gone a little a little bit and i think that could be a good uh sketch movie television show something like that i think there's some something in there so anybody listening to this go ahead this one's free on me and what i like about about this film as well is it stays true to the x-files it introduces Fox and Dana Scully, Fox Mulder, played by David Coveney, Gillian Anderson, playing Dana Scully. And you're introduced to these characters. Like the, fir- like the first scene you see these people in, they're having a conversation between each other, and one of them is being very um, practical, using her mind. That's Dana Scully because she's a doctor. Using her mind to determine why are they investigating a building near a building that was in a bomb threat. Whereas Fox is on the other hand, using his heart saying, I have a hunch. I have a gut whenever I've ever been wrong. So a quick scene off the bat and you're introduced to these characters. So anybody that hasn't seen the film yet, you get who these characters are and you get why what's going on. And this is again, in the first 10 minutes, you're introduced to aliens, cavemen, um, our main care characters. You also get to, you're also in, introduced to a young Lucas black who is, um, who plays the lead in the fast and the furious to- Tokyo drift. And I think the backup quarterback in Friday night lights, this is one of his earlier roles. You're introduced to him in a really cool scene, um, in present day, Northern Texas. So you start off r- with a great feeling that this could could be a really good movie and you get a really cool explosion of a build, building as well so again you get that extra budget added on which allows you to do more of what you want which is one of the reasons why i really like this movie again being a fan of x-files because it feels like an x-files episode but with a higher budget so they're able to do more and as things go on in this film it really builds on the um conspiracy of kind of what's going on because you end up realizing that um the black goo that you saw during the fight between the cavemen and the alien at the very beginning also in also infected this little boy played by lucas black um in the current day and then you realize like firefighters are trying to save them but then this agency comes in and kind of takes over doesn't really care about the firefighters almost lets them die and then we end up realizing that the explosion that, that happened in Texas, Dallas, Texas, the whole point of it was to cover up um, the deaths of the boy and three of the firemen. And they use this to say, well, you know, no, 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 these people died in here. Believe us, that's, that's what the findings are. So we realized that the whole bombing was solely to cover up those, two, those uh, four bodies. And we also realize that 
the special agent in charge of finding this bomb, Darius Michaud, played by Terry O'Quinn, who is in a ton of things. And I'm starting to realize more and more just how many movies and TV shows Terry O'Quinn is in. And he's great in everything. And we also come to realize that the reason why they they were looking at the FBI build, building and not the building next door was because they wanted the bomb to go off. And Terry O'Quinn was part of this. So having Mulder find the bomb in the other building wasn't supposed to happen. And Terry O'Quinn realizes, you know, I'm not, I wasn't supposed to die in this, but I need to get everybody out of this building and convince them that I'm trying to defuse the bomb. But we see just before it goes off that he's not doing anything. He's accepting it. And again, we find out later on that he was part of this. So we realize that this whole bombing in Texas was staged with people in the FBI knowing this just to hide these bodies. But then it goes even deeper because you realize, wait a minute, four firemen went in to save the boy, but they're saying three of them died. So where's the fourth? And we find out that the fourth is still at the cave in northern in northern Texas where the black goo was found. And he's being experimented on by the agency that took over, who is also being run partly by the cigarette smoking man, William B. Davis. And if you've seen the X-Files, you know who the cigarette smoking man is. He's probably the main villain throughout the entire X-Files franchise. And he's been horribly utilized in these last two seasons. Horribly utilized. Um, He's not the menace that that he was during the original series, which is a shame because he was a great character. He's probably overused... I would say in the 90s, but he it was still okay. But in these two seasons, he was just a shell. The character was a shell of what it originally was. But we find out that this agency, we're working with the cigarette smoking man, has this guy cornered. Well, not, not cornered, but they're experimenting on him because he's got this alien building inside of him. So you So you start to see like, okay... Whatever happened in 35,000 BC is still around. It did it didn't die and now it's a, and now it's infecting. And it continues to build on to the conspiracy because they start talking about using a vaccine for it. So you think, wait a minute, if this thing's been buried for, you know, 35,000 years or over 35,000 years because it's BC, so you're looking probably around 37,000 years. If this thing's been buried for 37,000 years, how do they know about it? How do they have a vaccine? Did this show up ever again? For the X-Files television show fan, you'll know a little bit more about it. But for the movie-going fan who doesn't watch the show, you're starting to see a pattern here and you're thinking, okay, there's a bigger conspiracy. I'm, I'm really invested into this. But what ends up happening is because of the bombing and it was the whole thing was, was staged, Fox and Dana are the ones who are sort of getting blamed because they should have found things and they're putting the blame on, on them. And they want to figure out, you know, if if we're going to be blamed for this, I want to figure out what's going on. And they find one of the supposedly dead-in-the-explosion firemen and they realize that his body is just this gelatinous goo. Something's happened to him. Something's transformed his body, his 
organs, his bones inside of him are, are basically gone, and he's just, um, think of him like the blob from one of the blob movies. It's kind of what he's turned into, but in the shape of a human being. So it's it's gross at the same time, but you're wondering, did was there a, uh, an alien baby in this too, or did the, this one die too too quick? And they continue. So finally, they realize, okay, something's going on. We need to investigate. You get some great. You get a great, interesting scene with them going to the northern Texas area, following the tracks. They find this, and this is one of the scenes that I always remember because I just think it's a beautifully shot scene. And they find this cornfield in the middle of the desert, and they realize that they're using the corn and bees to transmit the virus around. And we start to get confused about, wait a minute, why do they have a vaccine if they want to transmit this virus Around, 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 around the world. So you're confused even more. But what ends up happening is we learn about the secret government agency called the Syndicate, run by a bunch of old men, like all secret government, like all secret agencies. And we come to realize that they've known about these alien viruses because they're working with the aliens to use humans as hosts to repopulate this world as aliens but what the syndicate is also doing is they're secretly creating a vaccine to protect their race so this company so this group of men are working with the aliens to eliminate humans but secretly creating an antivirus to counteract the aliens as well now, after the scene, your conspiracy mind just goes through the roof because now you're not just dealing with people trying to take over the world or hurt others. Now you're dealing with people who are working with aliens for over 60 years. And you think, holy cow, this just got, got bigger. And again, it ratches up and it's fantastic. Unfortunately, Scully gets this virus. She contracts the virus and gets kidnapped by the syndicate and Fox has to go find her. And he has to go find her with the help of both um, one of the agents of that group who has decided to just go against and with help from Martin Landau who plays the Alvin Kirk Kurzweil. And he's the one who kind of starts this pro- pro- process off. Earlier on, they they don't really look too much into this, and then he's the one who kind of convinces Mulder, like, wait a minute, are you sure you haven't checked everything yet? Do you want to go check the bodies? Because I'm pretty sure these bodies were dead prior to getting there. And that's what builds Fox's kind of curiosity to send him on this trip. But Fox has to go now save Scully. And we find out that he has to go all the way to to the... Antarctica because they have a secret base there but what that secret base is covering is a giant alien ship below it where there are thousands upon thousands of bodies frozen 
with these aliens gestating in their bellies. So these things have been going for decades, and you can clearly see that they're starting to repopulate the world. The only problem is when Fox saves Scully, he uses an antivirus that one of the members of the syndicate, the one who broke free and went against the group and gave to Fox, used it. But the other agents of the of this group didn't even know it existed. And because he used the antivirus on Scully, it ended up reverberating throughout the ship. And the ship and the aliens realized, okay, there's something that can kill us. And you get this really great scene of this giant spaceship coming out of the ice and then flying into the sky. Now, the ship itself looks good, but this is the scene where you kind of see, okay, maybe they've used too much of their budget periodically because the green screenshot of them running from the the ship on the ice with the background, not too good. Looks like they almost used too much of the budget. But I love this movie because... Again, it's basically a two-hour episode. Because of the higher budget, they can use greater special effects, much much more uh, better-looking special effects. They're able to do more. You get the same character dynamics. It's a great story. It's a great sci-fi story. It's a great conspiracy story as well. And overall, it's just a great film. I was hoping that I would still like it after all these years, and I really do. I still really enjoy it. And one of the things I love about this film is it is it holds up really well. Because other than their cell phones they have, and a couple of times where you can see one of the, the, fat, the fatback computers in the back, nothing makes it, nothing dates it to 1999. And that's what... I think is great about this film that allows it to hold up because as I was watching it, I thought this movie could have been filmed like two years ago and set in like 19 and set in like 2016 and it would have looked the same. It would have looked very similar. And that's a positive for this film because you can watch this today. And even though it was filmed 20 years ago, over 20 because it was filmed 20 years ago, you can still kind of accept it for today. And with everything going on with conspiracies between Russia and U.S. and all this stuff, the whole concept of conspiracies are becoming interesting again. And this is a great movie to go go back and see. I wish there were more movies about alien conspiracies because I don't think there's enough of, enough of them. And I feel like X-Files was the one movie and TV show to really bring it in. There are a couple other movies that I can remember dealing with government conspiracies and and things like that. And area 51, um, you know, independence day was the sort of bombastic version of this. But what I liked about this is you kind of had, what I liked about the X-Files movie is you kind of had like an, all the president's men with Martin Landau being the deep throat care character. So you got that conspiracy feel and you got the sci-fi feel with the aliens. And I wish there were more movies like this because it deserves, it deserves more 
viewing, and I think more people need to talk, talk about this. We're not going to talk about the second one because the second one wasn't received too well and it wasn't very good. It was okay. I think the second one had a better atmosphere because um, it took place in uh, in a small town during the winter time. And if you if you set a film in a small town during the winter when there's like like inches and inches and feet of snow that gets me going i real i don't know why but there's something about small town movies set in small town during the winter time i don't know why but i really enjoyed that atmosphere and i think the second one probably has a better overall atmosphere that i like but this one is a much better film and much more enjoyable and it's also got a really interesting cast because other than Dana Scully being played by Gillian Anderson, Fox Mulder being played by David Duchovny, William B. Davis portraying Cigarette Smoking Man, you also had Mitch um, Pagelli, who played Walter Skinner. So you had your main four who were in this because you need you need those four guys. You need those four people, sorry, to have the X-Files. But then because it's a movie, they were able to bring in uh, some bigger names Obviously, again, Martin Landau. They had um, Jeffrey DeMunn, who played uh, um, Bron- Braunschweig. He was the kind of doctor agent you saw at the beginning of the film who took over the cave first, who ended up dying, sadly. Uh, Blythe, Blythe, um, Blythe, Blythe or Danner as Cassidy. She was the basically the FBI agent who was running the hearings to figure out what happened in Dallas. Terry O'Quinn, I mentioned as well. And then you also had Armin Mueller, Armin Mueller Stahl as Stronghold. Now, if you don't know who Armin Mueller Stahl is, you'll know the face. You'll know the face very well. You may not recognize the name or what movie he's in, but as soon as you see his name, he's like Terry O'Quinn. Where when you see his face and you hear his voice, especially his voice, his voice is a very unique voice for him, so you can tell, you'll say, oh, okay, I remember him. He's been in so much, I don't know which, like, one or two to pull out, which, which people will know. But if you if you look him up, you'll know ex- exactly who, who he was. So it's got a great cast indeed, great visuals. The music in this, the music was done by the same guy who does the music for the X-Files TV show. And the X-Files TV show has really good music as well. And this one I was actually surprised because going back to it, I didn't realize how good the music was. And the music fit perfectly with this film. It was a great, great score. I think his name is Mark Snow who did it. Definitely one of the high high point points for me. What I was also surprised about this film is it's a two-hour long film but it never felt like it was dragging at times. Like I was always invested in the film. I was always interested in what's going on. The plot was always moving. Even though it was a two-hour film, it felt like a well-earned two hours. Um, so sometimes you get those movies who, you know, things are going so well that it didn't feel like two hours. This one felt like two hours, but it felt like a well a well-earned two hours. And I like that. And it was and it sets up further discuss discussions about about this because the last scene is the last scene of the film is you see a helicopter flying through the desert and we realize that it's the cigarette smoke smoking man and it's um 
it's set in what was the area? What was the area? I think it was uh, Tucson or Tucsoni. No, what was it? Um, Tuscany. No, that's Tuscany. I forgot the name, but it's in the same location as in, as a, a, a another film. But basically, it's in the desert. I forgot the name. I know the name. I just don't know how to pronounce it properly. Um, but it's set in the desert, and we find out that the cornfield in Texas wasn't the only cornfield. And we see that this massive core cornfield still resides. And we also see that the X-Files has been, have been reopened because at the beginning of the film, we realized that the X-Files were, were closed because this movie takes place in between the end of season five and the beginning of season six. And at the end of season five, the cigarette smoking man ends up burning down Mulder's office, essentially destroying the, the X-Files. But because of this movie and everything going on, it bring it brought it back because originally the television show was only supposed to go for five seasons and then it was supposed to continue on in films so there's going to be like two or three more films but because the tv show was such a hit fox said no 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 we want more so they ended up doing four more seasons bringing it to nine and then these last two but these last two we're not going to talk about because they're not very good so this was kind of like a movie in between seasons and the season six started not right where this movie ended off, but it continued telling the story of the movie. So that's, so that's, so that's why it's something you don't need to see, but if you watch the movie and you watch the TV show, it really enhances your experience. Now this movie was, received fairly well it wasn't it wasn't uh denied it only had, it got about a 64 on on rotten, rotten tomatoes which this is one of those perfect films which explain which shows the divide or the failure of rot, of rotten tomatoes is it's a 64 percent on rotten tomatoes which is considered rotten because on rotten tomatoes anything 65 and above are considered um, fresh. So being that it's 64, this was unfortunately considered rotten by Rotten Tomatoes, which, again, I disagree, but according to their their metrics. Now, right now, it's showing at 65%, so it has bumped it up, but when the movie first came out, it originally had... A cup of a few less. So right now it's at seventy-two reviews. Back then it had sixty-nine reviews. So these extra three reviews pulled it up to fresh. So that's good. Good on you. But back then it was sixty-four percent, which was considered rotten. But the average rating was six point one out of ten, which usually a six point one out of ten is considered um, a good score. So even though v- critics were saying it's a good movie or it's an okay movie it was shown as being rotten which that's a perfect example of how rotten tomatoes can sometimes not be accurate but the good news is that again it's still a great great film and the good good news is that it was a success as well so its budget was 66 million dollars and it ended up grossing worldwide 182 
so it was a success. Uh, it kept it kept it kept the franchise going, which which is great. Funny thing is, the weekend that it was released, it was number one at the box office for that weekend. And I didn't know this until I looked this up, but I thought it was kind of interesting because if you were to replay these two movies now, I'm pretty sure the one that was number two would beat it by a long shot. But the number two movie of that weekend that also debuted that weekend was Disney's Mulan. So X-Files in its first weekend beat out Mulan in its first weekend by about, by, by, I think it was like six million. So a fairly big, a fairly big uh, amount. But as I said, I'm pretty sure if you were to play those two movies now, Mulan would outgross it by far. Now, the rest of the top five of that weekend were, at number three, The Truman Show. At number four, Six Days and Seven Nights. It's the Harrison Ford and Hache film. And A Perfect Murder. Those were your top five of that one. Now, unfortunately, it was only able to be, X-Files was only able to be number one for one week. Because in its second week, it dropped to number third. It dropped to number three with Mulan being number two and Dr. Doolittle being the new number one that weekend. But it did end up staying in the top five for three weeks. So for a movie that was based off of a TV show, I think that's fairly good. Three weeks in the top five, $182 million worldwide. Overall, it was the 21st highest grossing film worldwide in 1998, with number one, I think, being Armageddon. So budget-wise and fan-wise and critics-wise, it did pretty good, I think. I was actually surprised. I didn't, re- I didn't, I didn't remember that it uh, debuted number one when it fir- first came out. But uh, I'm glad it did because great film. Now, again, season five was supposed to be, be the end. And this was supposed to be the first movies and uh, or the first movie in a series of m- movies to finish off the show, but again because it re- gained so much fanfare and revenue for Fox, they wanted it to keep going. Now, there's one scene that I had to look up because I didn't notice this the first time I went through is the scene where we f- where Fox first meets um, Kurtzweil. He goes out back. T- to take a piss because the men's washroom is out of order and it has this long shot it's not like really long but it's surprisingly longer than you would think shot pointed at an independence day movie poster and i thought there has to be a reason why there has to be because you don't you don't linger on a shot that long for a movie poster for a movie that came out two years two years ago at that time. Now I wasn't able to find a definitive answer, but I found a few answers. On the positive side, some people were saying that it was kind of a, a fun nod because in Independence Day there was a line talking about you know a character was saying. Oh, you watch the X-Files. I'm hoping I can watch that too. But then I also heard on the other side that the reason why it's in there at that specific point, because it's right, it's, it's right where Fox 
goes behind a dumpster to take a leak. But I also heard that the reason why it's in there is because when Chris Carter saw Independence Day, he hated it. He hated the movie so much that he wanted to put that there at that exact time because of that. So I couldn't figure out which one was true, but if either of them are true, they're kind of funny in both ways. I kind of hope it's the negative one because I feel like Chris Carter would be petty enough to do something like that. Now, the final sequence of the film in the desert was actually filmed the same location where Star Wars filmed their Tatooine scenes. So there was a fun Star Wars connection to it, which is probably why um, I really like it. I mean, it's not the only reason why, but I, uh, you know, it's an underlying reason of why I like it. Now, the movie is officially called The X-Files Fight the Future. And I found this interesting because I always refer to it as the, the X-Files the movie. That's how I always thought of it. And I went online and I looked more into this and I found out that there's actually quite a lot of people who had that same experience where they thought it was X-Files the movie and then the fight the f- future was the tagline of the film. And I thought I was the only one who thought that. But apparently there's a lot of people out there who actually j- just call it the X-Files the movie and fight the future is the tagline because I never I never refer to it as the X-Files fight the future like I never refer to that when I'm talking about it to people I'm always saying you know the first X-Files movie or X-Files the movie so I, I I never call it fight the future but apparently a lot of people feel that same way which makes me kind of happy about that because there's a lot of people who thought it was the tagline and i think it's i think it it, it's better if it's just the x-files the movie is what it's called and then fight the future is the tagline i think that makes more sense because the x-files fight the future i don't know that doesn't it doesn't sound right doesn't sound right to me so i'm just gonna keep keep calling it the x-files the movie so that is my discussion on x-files the movie as I said, I really enjoyed this movie. I'm happy I was able to go back, back and see it. I've wanted to go back and watch it for a while, and I finally got the ch- ch- chance to do it. And I'm happy to say that it holds up. On my previous episode where I t- talked about Resident Evil, the, m- the movie, I felt like it didn't hold up as much. But I'm happy to hear that this... I'm happy to hear and see that this movie holds up. And I'm glad. Um, I'm glad it's here. It re- it reinvigorated my ability or my uh, love of X Files, and it makes me want to go back and watch the TV show show again, which is something I want to do this summer once all my regular shows are done. So that again is my talk on the X Files the movie hashtag Fight the Future. If you have your own opinion opinions on x-files i'd be interested to hear them you can let me know on my on twitter at at mets at the movies if you have any suggestions of movies you want me to talk about you can point them out out there and uh, again thank you for joining me today and i will see you at the next screening <laughs>